You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering Indiana women's basketball. Today is their 111th episode recorded on Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. I'm your host, Kathy Amos, and joined today with my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. And this afternoon, we will be breaking down your number 14 or number 12 Indiana Hoosiers 54 to 71 win over the Maryland Terrapins, closing out their Big Ten regular season and they're just a regular season games period for for this um, this year. And with that, they will finish with the regular season record of 24 and four overall and 15 and three in the Big Ten, meaning they have now secured with um, and we'll talk more about this later. But with this win today, they have secured for sure the number three seed in the Big Ten tournament. So we'll get into that more uh, more later. But first, I'm going to go into our, our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And um, this maybe is is cheating, but um, Jeff, I'm going to actually do. Um, a couple of them. So before the game even started today, I think one banner moment we unfortunately weren't able to to see unless you were at the game in um, person was the, the the senior night ceremonies. So we had um, three people going through senior night, Ariel Wisney, Mackenzie Holmes, and Sarah Scalia. All three went through senior night today. Um, and in addition, Ariel Wisney sung the national anthem. So that was definitely a banner moment, I think, for this program, especially with McKenzie and all of the records that she set for us over the last five years and the wins and um, the joy that she's brought to the, the game has been probably a good banner moment for us. But um, in terms of the game, my banner moment um, in terms of gameplay came at 7.51 in the second quarter. And that's when Sydney Parrish actually scored her 1,000th career point um, for today. So, um, you know, she went up and she got that bucket and it put her into that 1000 point club. And we already know that Sydney is coming back next year. And even with a few games left this year, she'll be continuing to, to grow that, that point total. So those are my two Hoosier Proud banner moments for today. And as always, our banner moments today are brought to you by Home Field Apparel, the presenting sponsor on the Back Home Network, which includes the Assembly Call and the Crimson Cats. And Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. So you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that loves great collegiate gear. And currently they have a third month mania going on where you can get um, a lot of things um, throughout the day or throughout the month starting tomorrow. But I know some new things that I've seen that are on the list that I'll be looking at are some um, jerseys that I don't remember having jerseys before and some shooting shirts. Um, and I see they're going to be doing a bomber jacket restock. So if you don't have a bomber jacket yet, you might get another opportunity later this month. And not only do you get great quality apparel, you're supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. So go to homefieldapparel.com. And if it's your first time purchasing from Homefield, you can use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that promo code is HOME23 for 15% off. And the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team.
right, so before we jump into the details of the game, we do have a couple of quick news headlines that we need to hit. And at the top of the list is one hopefully everyone has already seen, but just in case you haven't heard, um, we already talked that Sydney's coming back, but Chloe Moore McNeil is also said that she is um, coming back for her fifth year. So that is why she did not participate in senior day today. Um, so that's great news for the program and great news to have Chloe coming back next year for one more year. Um, McKenzie was named to the top five of the Lisa Leslie Award for this year, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, NCAA released its top 16 seeds, so for the Big Ten, we have three still in there. Ohio State was the number two, Iowa was number seven, and Indiana came in at 14. And if that was how the this, um, selection ended up coming out for us, then Indiana would be in the regional with Stanford, Texas, and North Carolina State. Um, right immediately before the Indiana game, if you haven't seen, Caitlin Clark and um, did end up passing Pete Maravich for an all-time scorer for Division I NCAA basketball. Um, Navia um, Caffey, uh, who is a point guard from um, Missouri and the number one ranked player in Missouri, has verbally committed to Indiana yesterday. She um, will be joining us after she graduates in 2025. And the other great Hoosier headline for today is our attendance today. So the attendance came in at 12,402, which now takes our average over 10,000 for our home games this year and probably will land us around fifth in the nation for this year. And not only that, I read that this is only the third program to have ever um, averaged 10,000 in attendance for Big Ten women basketball ever. So it's kind of nice to, to join a very elite club. So thanks to all the fans that were in, um, in Bloomington and attended this game today. So really a great showing. I know there were people up in the balcony. Um, so they filled the lower bowl and then um, part of the top. So great, great job from everyone there. But now let's uh, go ahead and kick it over to Jeff and get Marlo's musings for today. Jeff, what's on your mind? Well, first of all, a lot of stuff there in the news, Kathy. Uh, obviously, great win today, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I think the big news yesterday that came out was that that announcement by Navea Caffey that she was verbally committing to IU. And, and, and this is a young woman playing at, our, I believe it's Incarnate is the school. Maybe it's Incarnate Wood, but it's in St. Louis. I'm assuming Catholic school. They've won like 124 games in a row. So – this is a young woman that's not used to losing, you know, and I kind of like that. I, I like the fact that she's been involved in a program that's been very, very good. Um, everything we've seen so far about her online is that she is a very quick, um, very pesky defender and, and, and probably gives us that kind of point guard that we've been talking about over the last couple of years. Now she's still two years away. Obviously she's in the class of 25, so it won't be next year when she gets here. The other thing, um, I thought interesting from that IU that seed reveal. And we talked a little bit about this on Thursday night uh, when you were sick. And glad to see you feeling better, but Kathy, by the way. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, that again, Stanford, I know, blew us out there. But I'm not, you know, again, you're you're you'd be the four seed against the one seed, but I'm not exactly sure that I wouldn't take my chances as a Stanford again. I, I would again, I think everybody's in the same boat. When you're not after the one seeds, you're the you're two, three, or four, you're trying to avoid South Carolina's regional. So if we're in there with Stanford or UCLA or whoever else it may be, I'll take that chance. Uh, give me those odds. I like that um, with that. So I, I thought that was some big news. And then, of course, kudos to the fans, the, the Hoosier Nation, who has really rallied around this program over the last few years to be fifth 
in the nation in total attendance or average attendance for the season. I mean, Kathy, you and I have talked about this on here before. We can remember when there was hardly, you know, the games might have a, a couple, a few hundred people, a thousand people at a game, mm-hmm. you know, way before we start, way before we started doing, doing the work. But, but just that was where this program was 15, 20 years ago. And you look at where it is now, but just kudos a to the team, the p- players, the coaches, everybody that's involved with that, but the fans who have now embraced the team. And so, kudos to everybody involved in that uh, as far as the game today I, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later um but you know obviously in a game like this where you knew you couldn't get the two seed anymore you were you were locked into the three seed win or lose you're on to get out of this game healthy and the fourth quarter third quarter fourth quarter we're not exactly making us all feel good about that um with that being said but i thought the players showed i thought the players really in the beginning of the game and beginning of the second half really showed where they can be i thought they looked in especially at the start of the game and kind of the start of the third quarter I, that's as locked in defensively as i've seen them in a while and, and and i thought that was you know i just thought that was some good stuff yeah absolutely so well jeff light why don't we just jump right into it and we'll start off with our pivotal place so um <clears throat> what kind of pivotal place do you want to start us off with well, I, I'm just going to kind of go back to what I just mentioned that you start, there were two or three different times throughout the game, Kathy. I, I, I lost track. I think it was three different times I counted and could have been a fourth where we had a 10 0 run, you know, at least a 10 0 run or, or close to that, like a 10 2 run, 11 2 run, um, a 9 2 run. But I, I think it was three times I know I counted, if not a fourth, that were definitely over 10 0s, which sometimes you'll hear referred to as kind of a kill shot. Um, among coaches, but that uh, to me, those are pivotal because to, uh, back to what I was talking about, I thought the defense was really locked in. So I thought those were pivotal that the t- defense seemed locked in and we were in, and, and we had a really good idea of what we wanted the game plan to be. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the, you know, I had written down one of my pivotal plays was already on the second defensive possession. We forced the shot clock violation. Um, and to your point, we hold, you know, Maryland to 54 points. And I know they're not necessarily the top scoring the team in the, the league, but they definitely average way more than 54 points. And I, defensively, I thought they looked really locked in. Um, some of the other pivotal plays, and I'm just going to kind of bunch a, a few of these together that I wrote down from both the first quarter and the second quarter. And it centered around um, Yardin. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we had a, a you know, she had a, a couple of times where she kind of drove down and um, didn't force the shot, but she would get the ball over to Mac. And that happened a couple of times in both those first two quarters. Um, in fact, she was the one who was the assist to to McKenzie for her McKenzie's first points of the game. Um, and then, you know, she did that again in the second quarter. Um, she had some really, I thought, pivotal three-pointers as well. Um, you know, at one point in the second quarter, um, Maryland went into a 1-2-2 zone, and Yarden just shot right over it and made the score 16-33 to 33 at the time. And, and I thought a couple of those were really pivotal. You know, she had some back-to-back threes. Um, and overall, I thought um, Yarden, especially in those first um, two quarters in particular, just really stood out to me and was playing really aggressive and um, really both shooting and was sharing the ball. How about you, Jeff? What other pivotal plays you have or and maybe some thoughts on Yarden's play today? No, I, I, again, I thought Yarden played well in spurts in the first half. Then she would have two or three turnovers, it seemed like. So, exactly. um, you foul. know, you look at it, she finished with five. And so it seemed like they came in spurts too. I, I'm going to go Same. also here, Sarah Scalia in this part, you know, to, in that first half yeah. where she kind of scored in bunches. And, and, you know, she had a really nice play right there that kind of in that first uh, first quarter where she kind of finished it off. 
if I remember correctly, um, she a uh, little crossover move to a layup and drew a foul um, to get the and one to make it 13 to two. And then at the end of the second quarter, she hit back-to-back threes that stretched the lead out from 33-18 to 39-18. So I, I again, stretches like that. I thought the kids sometimes offensively, and, and we'll talk about this. When we get to the numbers. I'm sure it was not the normal shooting day for the Hoosiers, but I thought there were times when they were really, really locked in. Now, Maryland was physical. All right. And that's the other thing. Maybe it was pivotal here as I, I thought that the players did a really good job of not getting uh, what's the word I'm looking for. They didn't take the bait. You know, the, I think Maryland was trying to see if they could get them to get, you know, out of sorts or to maybe take the bait and push off, shove somebody after a play and maybe draw a cheap foul, cheap tech, something like that. And I thought the players did a really good job of not taking bait, but it was a physical game. And mm-hmm. so uh, those kind of spurts become really a big in a game that's kind of sometimes a grind and physical. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, and I thought Sarah um, in particular did a nice job on both ends of the floor. And one of my pivotal plays they also had written down from the first quarter is at that six minute mark where she stole the ball and then drove it to the other end for a two um, and a one make or a two and one <laughs> opportunity. And she makes her, her free throw and that put us for the first time up double digits at, you know, two to 13. Yeah. And then she had those back-to-back threes and then she comes out in the third quarter and Sarah hit another three over the zone, making it 29-44. Um, so I agree. I had Sarah Scalia um, written down for a number of um, pivotal plays. Um, and then my last one on the defensive side that I really wrote down was late in the first quarter where Chloe Morgan just kind of seems to run out of um, wherever she was and blocking that three-pointer nice and clean. There was no foul, and she just swatted that ball right out of bounds. And I thought Chloe was really flying around on defense today, too, um, from a defensive perspective. So um, what other kind of defense or excuse me, what other pivotal plays Jeff got? Um, I again thought that I thought the kids played very well in the third quarter. You look at the numbers here in the third quarter, it ends up being about yeah. a 16 15 quarter. But at one point, we had pushed that lead out to around 19, I think it was 49 to 30, 50 to 31, something like that. Yeah, it's 50 31, that's what it was 50 to 31. And so, again, playing well in spurts, but I'm going to go to this. And, I, and again, let's talk a little bit about this. But the pivotal play here in the third quarter is Mac going down. I mean, and, and going down may not be the way to say it, but she, obviously she rolled an ankle or injured a lower leg somewhere in there where she had to kind of hobble off to the floor, went um, pretty much immediately to the locker room. And we didn't see her for the rest of the game, at least in the game. She finally came back out on the bench, you know, toward the end of the yeah, fourth quarter. But obviously that's a pivotal play going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And then, you know, you had another one in the fourth quarter. I didn't get the exact time, but um, part of the way into the fourth quarter after McKenzie, you know, never came back, as you mentioned. Now Lily goes down with an apparent, it looks to, looks to be maybe an ankle injury that um, Lily had. Now she didn't go back to the locker room, but she did end up icing it the rest of the time. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we know with ankle injuries, you, it could be you know, she could be back Friday or she could be potentially done if it's a high ankle sprain. We just don't know. And that's definitely going to be a wait and see, I think, on both Lily and Max. So hopefully um, it's not on the the, the pessimistic, pessimistic side. Um, McKenzie right. giving us hope, I think, <laughs> in particular, because she came out of the locker room. Um, didn't look too bad that she was um, limping at all. And she looked pretty happy and she wasn't in tears anymore um, and came out and sat on the, the bench for the rest of that time and then did the post game. Um, festivities with the team so um yeah i think those were um a very pivotal i think 
not not just not really in this game per se because at that point we felt like we pretty had it but it's pivotal to our postseason play now as we you know get ready um going into uh, the big 10 tournament coming up this week um yeah yeah, let's stay yeah. with that though, Kathy, because I think Jenny brings up a great question in the That's workaholic right. that I actually was going to, and that is if Lily is out and Mac can play, who's the backup? Well, right. it didn't look like it was going to be Ariel Wisney today because we could have put her in. No. It could have put her in when Lily went out, and we didn't. I was you know, just scary to reply in the workaholic, Jenny, that um, I think you go small. And you mm-hmm. probably play Yarden in the post as best you can. Gotcha. And and then I think you also saw from the standpoint when that happened, we saw IU go zone. And that was probably as many possessions of zone as we've seen out of Terry Morin's crew in a long time. That's right. Yeah. I think that I, gives I you a little hint. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, Jeff. You know, I was I was taking note of that. And, you know, when Lily went out, it seemed that Yarden kind of moved over into that fifth spot, you know, and we had heard already in the, the preseason about Coach Morin saying they really, you know, wanted to get a lot of muscle on um, Yarden this year because they were going to post her up more. So that may be it, what we end up doing if, you know, it sounds like um, Sarah said in her Peacock interview that Mac told her she was okay. So, well, we'll take that for what it's worth exactly, yeah. Todd, um, for, for that information appreciate it. Um, so we'll take that for where this works, but let's go with the optimistic on Mac. And then the big question will be Lily. And I think you're right. I, I think then you, you probably um, are using Yarden and uh, Sydney more um, in those kind of roles than I think we would have seen them in typically. Yeah. And I think and, that's the other yeah. thing too. Kathy, you, you bring up a great point about Mac and, and if she is good, maybe it was just a scare. Cause just a young woman, a player who the last Especially couple of seasons is really yeah, it's, well, yeah, it just has really seen that need be bulky at the end of the year. You know, you go back to two years ago, it was it was more middle of the season, but then last year it was at the Big Ten tournament. We were going along, we thought pretty nicely, and then she, you know, she kind of, you know, right. uh, gets banged up in that, you know, re-aggravates it, whatever you want to say, in the Michigan State game that we eventually end up pulling out, but she was nowhere near a hundred percent the rest of the way. So let's assume Max. All right. And she just, it's, it, it spooked her. It's scared her. Cause she, you know, sometimes right. that happens. you get, when you've been through an injury and you kind of feel that same tweak, your first instinct is, Oh man, that's, but so let's say Max fine. No, won't be any you know lingering issue. But again, I think Lily and, and again, we've, we've, we've talked about Lily quite a bit on this show over the last year and a half, some of the good things she's done and some of the, and some of the things she's got to improve on, but not having Lily to come in as a backup, I think makes them have to go smaller and it makes it even more important that Max stays out of foul trouble. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, so that that's definitely going to be our big question that we'll, we'll need answered on our Friday game that we have in the big 10 tournament is like, how is our, our post play? How are our players? Are they, are they healthy? Are they playing partially injured or are they just not even able to go at all? I think there's a lot of different scenarios that uh, we'll be watching for in that game on Friday. Um, any other pivotal plays, Jeff, that you had written down? I, we didn't really talk much about this um, third and fourth quarter in terms of specific plays, but I didn't really write a whole lot down at that point. It seemed we'd no, we were all scared. <laughs> yes, I know. We were all worried about uh, about McKenzie and then Lily going down. I don't think, and honestly, I don't think at that point it felt like for me, especially like you mentioned the third quarter, even though um, we only outscored them by one point in each of those two quarters, it just felt like we had it fairly well in hand, you know, especially by halftime when we're up already 15 points. And we just kind of um, maintained right around that area. We might've gotten close to 20, but, you know, it just seemed like we were, 
weren't ever in any big trouble Maryland making a no. big push for us. So um, I just don't think there were any major um, pivotal plays for me anyway in those two quarters. I agree with you. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move to notable numbers. Um, we already mentioned one notable number in our head headlines, which was the um, attendance today. But let's talk about um, some team statistics in particular. Jeff, where would you like to start? Well, I'm going to kind of put two together here, Kathy, into <laughs> one since you did that at the banner moment. Um, <laughs> Maryland, Maryland, and this is the first time in a while we've talked about this. Maryland, 16 offensive rebounds. 16 offensive rebounds. Indiana was minus three on the glass total. So not bad from that standpoint, but we gave up 16 offensive rebounds to Maryland. And that I think helped to lead to a 28, 28 tie in the paint and Maryland outscored us on second chance points, 12 to five, but that's a concern on that 12 on, on those 16 offensive rebounds. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we ended up winning the total rebound um, situation here. Um, actually, no, we didn't. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong line. So yeah, we, we were down by three, but those, again, it, and today it didn't hurt us, but we've talked about this on and off throughout the year, and it seemed we had gotten better, and it seemed to me we kind of regressed a bit today on the um, defensive boards. So, and like you mentioned, 16, and that allowed those um, Terrapins to score 12 second-chance points. Um the other number that I found interesting was our shooting percentage today. And this was, you know, part of, I think, why maybe we didn't have as many rebounds. To be honest, we didn't really have as many opportunities to get offensive rebounds ourselves, to be fair. We did end up shooting 44%, but in the first half, we were shooting 54%. And um, that just doesn't leave a lot of misses for you to, to clean up off of the board. So um, I think that's part of it. But I, I also think there were a couple of times when we were on defense, we weren't quite as aggressive, but we had been in previous games um, off of the board. So, so yeah, so to continue the shooting, the other cool thing for us was um, we held um, Maryland only three three-pointers and, and shooting 19%. It's three of 16 for them, where we shot eight of 24 from three-point land, which was 33%. And at halftime, we were shooting um, 47%. We had seven, so um, three-pointers. So interesting, we only made one three-pointer at that second half. And I thought that was interesting because it seemed like in the first half, you know, I know we were talking in the Discord with others about it didn't feel like we were really pushing the ball down low. We were shooting a ton of threes. And then in the second half, it seemed like they kind of came out and corrected that and weren't putting up quite as many. So only making one in that second half. Yeah, I'll go with that. And, you know, that one for nine in the second half. Um, I thought the first half, it was kind of interesting because they early on, they didn't get it to Mac. And then they find they they went to her two or three times in a row. And then they went back to shooting some threes. Then they go to her two or three times in a row. Um, with that, I'm going to also go to another positive stat here, Kathy. 85% mm -hmm. of the free throw line, 17 for yeah. 20. All right. Um, and so on a, for a team that, again, remember at Christmas time, we were talking about how this team was not very good at the free throw line. And right. here they are starting to move up the conference rankings and shooting 85%. And I want to save uh, some of the individuals here. So for when we get to game ball and the hustle war, so I won't get into their numbers, but again, mm -hmm. when that's not a liability, when that's not a concern as much anymore, then your game, it gets easier to close out. And that's something we saw. We saw in the, you know, we were talking about the discord a little bit. And somebody's like, well, luckily that somebody made the comment in the discord. This was, at least this was kind of in the, in, in the book. And I'm kind of like, I'm not quite sure I'm willing to say it's in the book yet. Cause it was only about a 12 or 13 point game in Maryland. Right. All of us, and we didn't, and that was after I think Lily went out and I was kind of thinking, we're all kind of looking around like that deer in the headlight. Look, you know, that's what I saw a little bit. Now I'm going to come back to the person who kind of righted that. 
when we get to the to the to the awards but there was kind of that deer in the headlight look of like who else is going to get her what the right. what's kind of going on here and so but yeah when you can make free throws you can withstand a little bit of a run that's right yeah and, and you know it wasn't like we got that 85 percent on just shooting like five or six free throws we we shot 20 and we made 17 of them with number of people shooting perfect from the line today so i thought that was a really great statistic as well um, 18 the in the second we, half eight we shot 18 in the second half okay uh, yeah i didn't even write down the first half so that's not surprising because it felt like we didn't have very many whistles in the first half and it seemed like they picked up nope. in the second half in fact there were two players that fouled out completely and three more with four fouls between us and maryland so all of a sudden i felt like the bristle whistles kind of ramped up in that second half um so the other number I was going to kind of mention is the turnovers. So um, we forced 13 turnovers for Maryland, and but we committed 14 ourselves. Uh, and the interesting thing was, though, we held only 11 points for Maryland off of those turnovers versus 16 for us. So at least it didn't, again, hurt us. But um, and, and that number is really not awful, it, but it's more than what Coach Moran really wants the, the team to have, which, you know, she always says their target is around that, you know, 11-12 mark. So, again, just a little bit higher this year on turnovers. Um, the unfortunate thing for me was of those 14, five of them came from Yarden. Um, and so I, I would really like to see if, you know, if we can get that cleaned up a little bit here and focus on that for the next few days going into Big Ten play. So, you know, they'll have almost a full week where they can to, can work on some of that, that kind of stuff. Um, any other numbers that jump out to you, Jeff? No, nah, no, Kathy, not in the macro. Yeah. No, 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 I don't think so either. Uh, bench points, we didn't get much from our bench for, for us and four for Maryland. Um, you know, fast break points was nice of 18 to seven for them. We did have five blocks, which was good. Um, but yeah, nothing else really, I think, um, really of note. I guess we should mention we did have 14 assists today um, for our 23 main field goals. So just to get a nice ratio, I think, for, for the team. Well, Jeff, um, with that, um, why don't we go ahead and move into our awards segment, and we'll start with the game ball, and uh, since I'm hosting, that means you get to pick, um, so it'll be interesting for me who, who we go with in this way, because I think there's a couple potentially different different ways you might be leaning, so what what is on your mind for game ball? Oh, before you vote, let's talk about who's won it first. So, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can see at the bottom of the screen, we got um, the scroll going here. So Mackenzie Holmes, um, of course, leads the way with 13. Sarah Scalia is next with five. Um, Sydney Parrish, Yarden, Garzone, and Chloe Moore McNeil each have three. Okay, now, what is your vote? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to go with... Well, let's, first of all, I, there were a couple of people here. I think you come back to Sarah and you come back to Yarden here. I think those are the two yes. to me, they're kind of Same. obvious. Um, but I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia here. The 19 points on six of 13 shooting, just slightly more efficient than Yarden was. Uh, both of them were four for eight. Sarah was three for three at the line. She had eight rebounds, an assist, and a steal, and only had one turnover. So I'm, I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia on the game ball here. Yeah, you know, I, I was debating exactly, Jeff, between the same two that, that you're talking about. Sarah and um, Yarden led the way with scoring, 19 for Sarah, 17 for Yarden. But as you mentioned, you know, Sarah was just a little bit efficient, more efficient, although they both shot exactly four of eight from three-point land. You know, so they were the two that made our, our four, or excuse me, eight three-pointers. Um, 
the thing I really liked about um, Yarden today too, is I felt like she was a really aggressive, right? And she seemed to, again, with mm -hmm. those assists, a couple of assists she had to match. The problem for me with Yarden is again, with the fouling uh, and with the turnovers that we already mentioned. And so that's how I kind of got myself to the same place with you with Sarah. She ended up with 19 points. Although I, I would say after, you know, about halfway through the third, it felt like she kind of backed off of some of her aggressiveness, but she still ended up, you know, playing 37 minutes for, for the team leading the team there as well. So for me, Sarah gets the, the game ball um, as well. All right. Well, let's see. Next, we will have the Grace Burger Hardest Worker Award, and we'll uh, get through all of these names, which is a really great problem to have, um, having to read so many names because we've had so many different winners. So um, Lexi Bargesser and Sydney Parrish are both tied for the most with six each. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes is right behind them with five. Chloe Moore McNeil with four. Sarah Scalia, um, Lene Beaumont each have two. And then Lily Meister and Yarden both have one. So, <clears throat> Jeff, who gets your Grace Burger Hardest Worker Award today? Well, again, I think you could talk a little bit about Yarden here as well. I think you could talk about mm -hmm. Sydney Parrish. Sydney with mm -hmm. 10 points, six rebounds, um, and a steal. But Sydney also, as you mentioned, about fouls, had four fouls. She had three turnovers. Yeah. Uh, I think we could throw McKenzie in here a little bit as well. 11 points on five of five shooting, one of one right. at the line. She Great. didn't miss it all today. Six rebounds. So she could have played the last, you know, 10, 12, you know, 13 minutes or whatever it turned out. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with Chloe here, and I'll tell you why in a second. Chloe did not have a great day. She was one for seven from the field, <laughs> 0 of four from beyond the arc, but she was eight of eight at the line. That's the reason <laughs> for me, because she was the one, if you watch, you kind of go back, and if you get a chance to watch it again, when we had that little bit of struggle after Lily went out, we kind of had that deer in the headlight look. Chloe made a drive to the basket and was really strong with it, got fouled, and she made I couldn't quite see what she said. I'm not a great lip reader, but you could tell she looked over at the bench. And she said something and it was, and, and my gut tells me it was probably something along the line of, you know, I got this, you know, or I'm, you know, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're fine. You know, there, there was, but there was just an attitude there that you could tell coming from Chloe that I really liked. Then you also throw in the fact that Chloe had six, uh, six rebounds and eight assists to go along with a block and a steal. So I went with Chloe Moore McNeil for the hardest worker award. Yeah, I, again, Jeff, I ended up kind of in the same place you were. I thought about Yarden um, for a little bit. Um, I thought Sydney really played um, well today as well um, in terms of, um, you know, doing what we needed. She was one of five players that had double-digit scoring today for us as well. Uh, but to me, I, I, I ended up landing on the exact same place you did. Part of it was the free throws, but the other eight that – Chloe had in her her stat line was the assist, and that's for me was what really put it over the top. You know, again, like she had four fouls, which was very unusual for her as well. Um, but overall, I thought she looked like she was definitely the floor general today. Um, it definitely made us exactly why everyone's so so giddy about her coming back again. I, I thought overall her play was actually pretty good. And defensively, as I mentioned in our pivotal plays with that block, and she had other defensive moves today too. Again, you know, the, the commentator said, hey, you know, Chloe Moore McNeil is one of the best defensive players in the league. And I absolutely agree with that. And I thought she showed us that today. So for me, she ended up getting my um, – my uh, my vote as well so with that um we will that will give chloe her fifth hardest worker of the ward today so and um how is that for sarah i think that gives her um 
six game balls for Sarah today or this year as well. So um, real quick, we will go through our um, kind of record watch, if you will. We renamed it from, uh, it was just the Mac watch, but now we've uh, included now Sarah in this as well. And so we'll just give a quick update today um, for where we're at with all of those. So um, today, again, uh, McKenzie ended up with 11 points, five field goals, six rebounds, and one block. So she is now up to 2,476 points scoring. Um, we already talked last time that she is ahead of Steve Alford. Um, she's now ahead of him by 38 points. Um, she is behind Calvert Cheney now by 137 to tie him. So if she is able to um, average around 20, 21 points per game, um, that will put her, uh, she would need roughly around seven, um, seven games to, yeah. to be able to catch Calvert. So it might be a bridge too far, but you never know, depending on how far we go in the tournament and how she does. And then the other person that we've been um, following now is Sarah Scalia, um, where she is um, working on getting Steve Alford's um, season or yeah, season made of three pointers. So she is up to 91 now three pointers on the year. Um, so she is only 16 points behind Steve Alford um, to catch him. He has 107. So 16 to tie him, I guess. Um, so that's where we're at with Sarah. And then another interesting one we'll have to dig into, Jeff, is someone uh, mentioned to me in the Discord that um, if if um, McKenzie averages somewhere around in that 21 points per game or so, I think that she would be able to potentially catch Tyra Bus for the all-time points per game in her career as well. So we'll have to keep an eye on that too and see where that she took ends a, up at the end of the year. That took a huge hit today, though. It sure did, with only 11 points, so... Hopefully that's the only huge hit we need to worry about with McKenzie and, and that we'll see her back on Friday. <laughs> also, again, something that we've I've included in here, Kathy, if you didn't see it, Sarah Scalia with her 19 points today now has 1,916 career points. She needs 84 more for 2,000. Nice. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that as well. And we already mentioned Sydney surpassed 1,000. So um, next year, I'm sure we'll start uh, looking at how Sydney's doing uh, moving up in anything. Um, okay, well, Jeff, with that, I think we're through most of the stuff for this game. But do you have any other final thoughts on the game itself before we we kind of talk about what's coming up next? Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, it, okay. we've really hit the game today. That's right. I agree. Um, so again, Indiana wins 54 to 71 today over Maryland. So with that, um, our upcoming game, which we've already been kind of alluding to, is the Big Ten Tournament. We have now safely secured the number three seed in the Big Ten. Um, and so we will be having the very last game of Friday night, which will take place around 25 minutes after the um, 6.30 Eastern game or 5.30 Central game ends. So if you know you assume two hours, that would mean we would roughly um, tip off around nine Eastern or eight Central. Um, who we're playing, of course, we obviously don't know yet. And um, we'll talk about this here in a little bit around the Big Ten. There are still games going on right now and later today that will impact the, the, the lower kind of levels of seeding in the Big Ten. And so if it ended though right now and nothing changed in the standings, we would be playing the winner of Penn State and um, Penn State would be playing either Rutgers or Purdue. But again, Purdue's got a game later tonight. And if they win, that would move them up into that, you know, first uh, buy of the Wednesday, I believe. So that's definitely up in the area with a few games still going on. 
Um, so real quick, I thought we could talk about where we ended up with our, the her hoop stats, Jeff. And then if you want to just run through that real quick, and then we can go ahead and talk about what's going on around the Big Ten and a little more about the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean, obviously this does not include today's games, but the coming in today on the Her Hoop Stats, Indiana uh, was ninth in the Who Hoop Stats rating, seventh in offensive efficiency, 135th in defensive efficiency, second in the country in effective field goal percentage at 59%, second in points per possession at 1.02%. 57th in rebound rate, which probably won't take a huge hit today, even, even though they were minus three and 14th yeah. in assists per game. So you can see why Indiana has you know, gotten to where they are record wise, because, you know, they're a, they shoot the ball well and they're, above, and they're not great defensively. I'm not going to say they're elite defensively, but they're above, they're way above average. And, and so That's they're cool. able to, you know, to battle. And today was a great point. As Kathy, as Kathy said earlier, we only shot 44%, but, we won by 17 because we were able to hold Maryland to 28%. That's right. Absolutely. So, well, Jeff, let's get into a little bit more about what's kind of happened around the Big Ten. So today was the big day. I think there were some other games throughout the week, but today was really the big day where everyone was um, kind of um, finalizing their their last um last games for for the year so there are a lot of games going on today so earlier in the day that did have an impact on us ohio state went to iowa and lost their 83 to 93 so that secured this number two spot for iowa and um, kept us on the number three line um minnesota went up to penn state and penn state just handled them 90 to 34. Um, we have nebraska and illinois playing right now unless that game is over i'll check that's that a in one a point it's one point to go. It was Illinois up one with 24 seconds to go in Champaign. There you go. All right. So really tight one there in Illinois. And that definitely would have an impact because if I remember, Jeff, if Nebraska wins that, they would jump to the number four seed. Um, right. Correct. And if not, I think they stay at number five. Um, yep. So that definitely has a big implication there for Nebraska. Um, Michigan State went into Wisconsin today and won 78-52. And then later this evening, Purdue will go and to Michigan. Again, Purdue wins that game. I believe that they get a single game by and would be playing Thursday and not have to play the Wednesday game. So definitely some implications of what's going on today. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, if you're Purdue, you want to be off that first day. You know, if you, again, as a, a non-Purdue fan, hope they are playing the first day, but there is some, some yeah, impact there, Kathy, because <laughs> if, if, if Michigan wins, they can jump up into that sixth seed and we would play wow. them possibly on Friday night, you know, Friday, they would be, they would move past Penn State because they've got the tiebreaker on Penn State. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, as of right this very second, um, as I mentioned, Ohio State, we already talked about them. They clinched earlier this this year and were the outright winners. Iowa's number two, Indiana's number three, finished third. And then again, obviously with those games going on, Michigan State right now is sitting fourth and Nebraska is right behind them at fifth, Penn State at sixth, Maryland um, at seven. Um, both of them are nine and nine. And then you have Michigan right there as well at eight and nine. So again, um, pretty big implications here going on with a couple of the, the ongoing games right now, as well as the Purdue game tonight in terms of standings. Um, Jeff, any other thoughts on the Big Ten or the upcoming Big Ten tournament? Again, we'll be playing that very last game late on Friday night. Um, but any any other thoughts going into the tournament? Like, who would you not want to see us face? Is there like one particular team, like take out Ohio State and Iowa, but any of those other um, lower seeds below us, is there one in particular you really hope we weren't going to be facing potentially? 
Well, since it wouldn't be to the championship game, I won't. I wouldn't mind as much. But I would like Mar- I, I do like Ms. Michigan State being on that opposite side. Uh, Michigan State's going to be either mm-hmm. the four or the five seed. So they're opposite of Indiana. The only way IU is going to see them is if we get to the Big Ten championship, Big Ten tournament championship. So I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, as of the other teams, no, there's not. But again, some of this depends on over overall health. But let's assume Max healthy. Nothing. You know, she won't be you know limited or anything. So no, there's nobody really on that other side. I will add this in, Kathy, real quick, because I did pay attention to this earlier in the day. Excuse me. Um, Rutgers and Northwestern were battling basically for that 13-14 spot, and Northwestern won that game. So Northwestern will be the 13th seed, and Rutgers will be the 14th seed. But realistically, everything from about 6 to 12 is up, still up for grabs right now, depending upon what Michigan and Purdue do. So that there's, there's some things to happen That's with that right. game tonight. It will really affect seeding. Yeah, and, and hot off the presses, Illinois did win that game by 11. So yep. it looks like Nebraska will um, probably stay then. I think it um, that number They're five, five. Seed, right? They're yeah. five. Yeah, that's right. Um, how about Illinois, Jeff? Um, you mentioned Michigan State. I totally agree with you. That would be a team I don't think I want to be facing at all in the Big Ten tournament. If we can avoid um, seeing them, that would be great. But how about your thoughts on Illinois? Like, I know we beat them earlier this year, but then they beat us pretty handily. And I know that was a home game for them. But any concerns if we would somehow end up facing Illinois somewhere along the route? Well, trying to crunch the numbers here real quick, Kathy. I don't think, again, I think we're in the same boat. I think yeah. they're going to be over on the other side. So, again, not That's a team I necessarily want to see. But even with the tiebreaker, I think I, I, I'd have to dig into a little bit more. But I even the best they could do, I think, is flip-flop with Michigan. If Michigan loses tonight, I think the best they could do. So, basically, Michigan and them in that 8-9 game, either way, it uh-huh. looks like coming up here. So, well, I shouldn't say That's either right. way. But if Michigan loses, that's the 8-9 game. Yeah, either way, it probably is going to look right now, potentially Illinois and, and Michigan. So, yeah, it, so it looks pretty highly unlikely we would face them. Um, how about what it Which looks like good. on our current side of the bracket? Yeah, so on our side of the bracket, as of right now, um, I think it's Wisconsin, Maryland, um, Rutgers, or Purdue, and then Penn State would be on our side of the bracket in Iowa um, in that number two I- slot. If Penn State had been playing better, like they were yeah. middle of the season, I wouldn't maybe want a whole lot of them, but they've struggled. Now, Minnesota's just right now down. They Mara Braun's injury has really dragged them down. And it was senior day at Penn State today. And I think Penn State came out, was playing, you know, Mar, uh, McKenna Marissa was having her final home game. Ashley Owuzu was having her final home game. So, you know, again, some emotions in there. But um, I like our side of the draw, and I think we're all anticipating yeah. that hopefully a rematch with Iowa on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what we're, we're anticipating as well. Um, I don't mind any of those teams again right now. Purdue or uh, Minnesota might be that number 11. I don't see Rutgers winning that first game. Um, and then Penn State would be the opponent in the next game. And I would expect, whether it's Purdue or Minnesota, that Penn State would win that. So that's kind of like if I'm filling out a bracket on the Big Ten side, our Big Ten tournament, I would expect we will be meeting um, Penn State um, for our first game, and then hopefully we'll take care of business there, and then we'll probably end up facing Iowa on Saturday for that semi-final. Um, Any other thoughts or things you're looking for in the Big Ten tournament? I know we don't know our obviously our specific opponents, so we can't really go into that kind of detail. But is there anything in particular you're other than um, Lily's and McKenzie's health? <laughs> I should say that that's a lot of other things you're looking for. 
I'll be interested in the crowd and just to see how much of it is a pro Iowa crowd as opposed to a pro women's basketball uh, crowd. Because obviously a lot of the sellout is being driven by Iowa and Caitlin Clark. But, and again, I know they lost today, but Ohio State's really good. Indiana's really good. Uh, Michigan State is very dangerous. Um, Nebraska may not, right now to me, Kathy, I look at the bracket the way it is. And I kind of look at chalk right here. I really think those top four seeds yeah. should advance to Saturday. Um, I know about the time I say that there's going to be an upset because it wouldn't be a Big Ten tournament or NCAA tournament right. without somebody you know upsetting the bracket. But I, I just think, especially those three teams that the top three separated themselves pretty much all season long, and by the end of the year, Michigan State and Nebraska had separated themselves from the rest of the pack. So I, I just think that. Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana. I couldn't Nebraska could Nebraska beat Michigan State possibly, but I think you're going to see four of those top five seeds in in the semis on on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I would fully expect, um, and I, I could see maybe Nebraska going in and uh, pulling a, a quote unquote upset. You don't know with them um, either where where they're going to finish off. So that that's the interesting thing. Once you get kind of below the the top three, really. And Michigan State's, I think they've been playing pretty well. So I would expect them to to make it to their Saturday game as well. But some of these teams down below, especially in that middle pack, there's a reason why they're all bunched up, right? Like they have such, yep. uh, they've played sometimes really, really fantastic. Like we saw with Illinois beating us the, the one time. And we've had some upsets along the way here and there with others. Um so to me, I, it, I think it's just really hard to know who's going to make it, but I would expect, same as you, it'd be probably those top four or potentially Nebraska going in and knocking off Mich- Michigan State if they get on a roll. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff, with that, let's talk about our final thoughts of this game and um, how we are, are, are kind of moving into our, our postseason play. Yeah, and Kathy, I'll just two things here. Obviously, we want we want to know a little bit more, and I know they're not going to say anything. The IU coaching staff and administration, as far as athletic administration, can be very tight lipped about any injuries. But from what we saw at the end of the game, I think you know McKenzie looked like she was moving around. There wasn't a noticeable limp from people that were at the game. Uh, Ari texted us and said that it looked like she was moving fine. Um, now Lily was limping a little bit and stuff, but again, it was an ankle sprain. That's kind of to be expected. Um, so the, the final thoughts here for me, just get everybody healthy is, you know, hopefully nobody's badly injured. Um, get everybody healthy. Uh, you've got some days off here. You're not going to play till Friday. Um, I would assume they get tomorrow off probably anyway, but they will have to travel. Obviously you're going to Minneapolis, um, for the tournament, but at this, and and next week's a little bit different because. Again, you, if you lose, you're going to turn around and play in the NCAA tournament. But we're getting to that time of year, Kathy, where it really does become one and done. Every game That's basically right. is a one and done type scenario. So um, if you That's want right. to win the Big Ten tournament, it's a one and done scenario. So you got to just be one and zero at the end of every day. And that's what your focus has to be. Yeah. So um, unofficial reports coming in the chat here is that Lily um, has said that it looked worse than it was and that she'll be fine, but that, that she might miss a game out of precaution. Um, so another comment that was put into the chat here, uh, Jeff, it was that um, someone suggested maybe we quietly tank the Big Ten tournament. Um, what are your thoughts on it? So I'll give you mine and then you tell me if you agree or disagree yeah. with me. Um, but I don't think you do that. And why? I, because you still have things writing on on these games. 
right? Like if you lose that game to whoever it is in that first game, let's say it's Penn State, I don't necessarily know that it drops you off of the four seed um, with just one game, but I don't think you want to risk that either. And then on the other side of it, you know, if they could manage to go ahead and win their first game, beat Iowa again, and even make it to the championship, and, you know, heck, if they win that championship, A, you just hung another banner, and B, I think you could move up to a three seed. And, and I think there's still seeding implications, not to mention, you know, your chance of winning another conference title. But um, what are your thoughts on, on that? I think at this point, a loss on Friday night drops you to a five. I mean, obviously other things have to go on or other things are going on around you. Like what's happening with, you know, what's happening with the teams in that line, that four, five, three, four, five line as well. But you, you, you don't want to run that risk. If you were a three seed, maybe if you were a two seed yeah maybe because especially if mac is like you know what not 100 percent this week but i'll be 100 percent by the following week then yeah maybe if that's the case just don't play her and, and, and go but if you were two or three right. um i also think i think there's value in winning and again i say this both as a coach and a fan um i think if you're building a program that's supposed to be about winning and going out and playing your best every day then the idea that you're not going to play your best on a day or that you're going to kind of hold back, I don't think sends the message you want to send to the team in your program. I think you know, you, you've, you've told kids all along that we're here to build a winner and winning sometimes means you have to find ways to win when you aren't at your best or when you're not a hundred percent. So that's the only reason I don't like that. I, you know, again, if, you know, I, if I knew they were going to get a protected seed, no matter what, if they lost on Friday, maybe, maybe slightly, just, I mean, we're talking like 20% less that I do it, but you don't have that guarantee right now. That's right. And, and I think there's something to be said about momentum and confidence going into the NCAA tournament as well. And if, you know, you can, you know, do the exactly the the unexpected and win the entire tournament i think that gives the team a lot of great momentum and a lot of great confidence but um yeah the question may be it was around the injuries but like you said maybe you um don't play mckenzie as much or um you know lily can't play or something along those lines um and you you do that out of more precautionary uh for injury sake going into the ncda tournament but i, I still don't know that um i would I, I, if they're able to go, I think they're going to go, especially being because yep. last year. So, um, okay. So I diverged us. So, uh, we, so my final thoughts, Jeff are, yeah, this was just a, another great season overall. And I know after postseason play, we'll do a wrap up of, you know, the season and how it went and things that we went, but you know, we only lost four games this year. And if you look at three of those four losses, they were to top what six teams in the in the, the nation right you had stanford iowa and ohio state and or seven if you look at the bracket reveal right exactly so it, at a minimum top top seven um depending on what you're, you're using and you know i can right. see iowa moving up after their win today over ohio state too so you know and, and then we turn around and beat iowa and we got to play them again and so overall <laughs> did we win the turn our conference title again? No. Did we expect to? Not really. But was it a great season? 100%. And I think today was just a perfect Sunday or cherry on that Sunday as well for the, the season. You know, a 54 to 71 win to take out some of our um, seniors. Um, I think it's just a great way to, to end the season and really looking forward to um, starting conference play here or a Big Ten tournament play here. 
And Kathy, real quick, I think if we go back and look at the preview show where we predicted what we would do in the Big Ten, uh, I think we it. both called it. I think we all we we were all the line that Ohio State was the best team on paper, and if they stayed healthy, they were probably the best team in the league. They stayed healthy, they won the league, and then we said it was going to come down to Iowa and Indiana for that second and third spot, and it was going to be dependent by be very dependent upon how each team played against each other, and then what could they do against an Ohio State. And, and at that time, we kind of thought maybe uh, Illinois was going to be in the mix. But I think we you know, go back to the preview show. We we nailed the top three. The top three in the league separated themselves, and we had them. And I think most, I think all both of us have had had as IU, or excuse me, Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana, and we we're right there. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of record, I had predicted a 14 and four Big Ten record. Um, I just grabbed my sheet where I had written down my predictions. And so they were actually one game better. I thought that they were going to drop both of those games to Iowa and they didn't. So um, I thought there was potential for them to lose another one on the road somewhere. And they didn't do that either. And so they definitely played to my expectations, if if not better um, or right at it. So Overall, again, just a really fantastic season. So um, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. All right. So in terms of what's coming up next uh, for us on the show, um, Jeff and I will be doing a a show live right after the game on Friday. Again, that's the Big Ten tournament um, game. We don't know when, but it sounds like we might be tipping around eight central um, or nine eastern. So it will definitely be a late Friday night. So hopefully you'll all be able to stay up and watch the women play and then come join us afterwards to discuss the show. Assembly Call Radio went live earlier right before us with the men's win over Maryland as well today, Um, but they will be back again on Wednesday. The men play Minnesota. That tip time is around 9 Eastern or 8 Central. Um, If you want to see us do the show live and be part of our live chat, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Back Home Network. You can be part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. A special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. A big thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you heard throughout the broadcast. And most of all, thank you all for listening and being with us here today or listening afterwards. We appreciate you very much. And we will be back to talk hoops with you again on Friday night. But until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Well, that was a good way to end our, our regular season for sure. That was fun. Yes, it was. I'm trying to say, oh. see some my nephew. My nephew had texted me and said that McKenzie jogged over to shake hands with Marilyn. So, because he was at the game Perfect. today. So, so I think nice. we're getting better news, but um, it's just a matter of, you know, again, how much, you know, like especially for Lily, probably more of that ankle and high ankle, how much, you know, can you handle, it? you know, you, you know, how much does it swell? And it's amazing, Kathy, you've been around for a while in, in, in terms of watching these things uh, with your son and stuff, where, you know, we, where we would have been like 30, 40 years ago, they would have been putting my foot in a bucket of ice. And now they've got all kinds right. of technology and things to, you know, to keep that swelling as minimal as possible. So um, it's just amazing what they can do over on that side, you know, on the physical therapy side of it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Physical therapy and, um, you know, rehab and everything has just come a long way for sure. So, um, feeling pretty positive about it. So that's good. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, anything else last minute on your mind? No, good to see you back. And, and, uh, yes. first I was going to joke with you at the beginning. I forgot about it. It was like, I didn't, I almost didn't recognize you cause I hadn't seen you for a while. <laughs> I felt like I was gone forever too. I missed two shows back to back. One um, expected, one unexpected. So uh, trust me, I would have much rather been on the show with you on Thursday night too. I I hardly even worked on Friday either. So um, it's not going to be any help to you. (laughs) You did a great job, by the way. Thank you. But no, I haven't got anything. I got to get some things done around here for tomorrow. So I'll let you go as well. All right. We'll We'll see you Friday. Friday. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody.